If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 9. We're going to begin in Joshua chapter 9 today. We are continuing in our series. I'm not quite sure how long this series is going to go. Joshua is a long chapter, right? I mean, a long book, right? No, but there's a lot of chapters, you know, that we're about to get into. So we're not going to, we've pretty much been going chapter by chapter. I think one week I doubled up two chapters. Uh, but we're going to look like, it looks like we're going to head more towards the end of the book. And so, uh, but it's been, uh, it's been a, a series that I'm hearing a lot of feedback. Are y'all enjoying this series? I'm hearing a lot of good feedback from it. And so I just think it's timely, the things that are in Joshua uh, for our church as we just transitioned and, and all the transitions that continue to happen uh, around us. And so, uh, and so uh, we're excited about it. So like I said, I'm not quite sure how far we're going to go uh, in, in how many more weeks, but uh, we'll just go as the Lord leads. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so today, again, as we continue, and if you haven't been with us, if you're our guest first time, again, I want to welcome you. We've been in this series called Nexus Now, and it's a study through the book of Joshua. We are in week seven now. And um, last week, I talked about the dangers of hidden sin from Joshua chapter seven. And just to recap real quick, because of Achan's sin, he, he took some of the plunder that God told him belonged to him, and Achan hid it in the ground. Because of that sin, Israel's army was defeated by the people of Ai, which is a way smaller city than Jericho, and God just supernaturally helped them defeat Jericho, and so they were defeated by Ai. In that process, 36 soldiers died, and Achan and his family also lost their lives. So through this account in Scripture, I showed what we must do so hidden sin doesn't endanger us or those around us. And the four things I talked about was to comply with the Lord's conviction, confess any sin in your life, remove all sin from your life, which by the way, if you wasn't here, I encourage you to go check it out. I showed the, the, the picture of that big, huge black widow spider web in my truck. So Nathan texts me last night and he says, hey man, I think the Holy Spirit protected you because I was trying to tag you in a, in a video of two of the things that you hate. And I was like, well, I said, well, send it to me if you can. It's somewhere on the internet. There's a black widow that has a snake in its web. Y'all saw that? And this black widow's eating on this. Th- I'm like, you have to be kidding me. I'm like, and so he was like, I said, and again, just like the web in my truck was like, even though I can't stand spiders, it was like amazing. And it was a smaller stake, but that the black widow's web could hold that. So you see, again, the dangers of hidden sin. That web was hidden. That snake got caught up in it. And uh, it was bad news. But anyway, thank you. And no thank you for that, Nathan. Appreciate it. So I said that we had to remove all sin from my life, our lives, my life, in my truck. I had a black widow for three days I didn't know and had to remove it from my truck and it was in, you know, imminent danger. And then the last point was to surrender to the Spirit of God. It took you through Galatians 5 and the Bible shows us as we surrender and let the Spirit lead us, He will convict us and help us and show us um, how to stay away from sin. Now in, in Joshua chapter 8, we're actually going to we're not going to be in that chapter today. I'm just going to quickly go over it. Since Achan ha- or the, since Israel had removed the sin from the camp from from Israel, they saw, as I just said, Achan sinned. He confessed. There was a consequence. Both soldiers died, and Achan and his family died. Uh, God encouraged Joshua in chapter eight, gave him a strategy, and Israel went back and they silently defeated Ai this time. And, and they, and then God told them, you can keep all the plunder. And like I said last week, see, the reason why they had to, all that plunder belonged to the Lord, because it was the first victory in the promised land. And God always tells us to bring our first fruits to the Lord, right? Like the tithe, like uh, we encourage you first part of your day. We come to church first part of the week, right? It was, it was the first fruits. And so now they defeated AI. They got to send out the camp. They got right with God and they defeated AI, was able to take all of the plunder. But after another great victory, they made another mistake in, in Joshua chapter 9. 
This is what we'll look at today and hopefully learn from. See, because after experiencing breakthrough, victory, and blessing, God's people encountered or confronted a new enemy. But Israel's greatest danger wasn't the collaboration of armies uh, in, in, in the land of Canaan, which it shows us. It was a group, a small group of men from Gibeon who entered Israel's camp and deceived Joshua and the leaders. See, like Canaan, our Christian life is a series of hills and valleys, right? The Bible even says that he's the God of the hills and the valleys. Now that, you know, geographically speaking, that's what the land of Canaan was. But in our life, we know that, right? Again, I mean, I don't know if there's been more hills and valleys week by week than 2020, right? And it continues to happen. But the good news is you can't get on the mountaintop unless you go through the valley. You have to go through the valley if you're going to experience the mountaintop. See, when we experience breakthrough, victory, and blessing, the enemy keeps coming with attacks and deception. And you just have to know that. That's part of life. The valley, well, I mean the mountain, that's the victory. That's breakthrough. You know, my, my wife and I, as I mentioned Wednesday, ministers at our Friends of Ours Church, and we, we had a freedom conference this weekend. And it was awesome. And some people never even heard the material about freedom and, and demonic activity and all this. And, and we believe we saw people got free and they experienced victory. But we encouraged them, you got to take these twos and continue on because the enemy's not going to stop, right? It's a series. The Bible says that, that, that it's a series, the flesh warring against the spirit and that the enemy, we see it even with Jesus. When he tempted Jesus, said he left him till there was another, the right time to come back and tempt Jesus again. See, Satan sometimes comes as a devouring lion, but he sometimes comes as a deceiving serpent. We must be alert and discern the deception he uses to try to trick us and trap us. First Peter 5, 8, 9 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And then look at Proverbs 14, 15. It says, a naive person believes anything, but the shrewd person discerns his steps. See, Joshua and the leaders of Israel were deceived by their enemy. There are a few lessons that we can learn from this account we're about to read in Joshua chapter 9 so we don't get deceived by our enemy. Amen? I want to, today I want to give you three ways to discern deception. Three ways on how you can discern deception of the enemy, which will show into it even of some people. Number one, don't be convinced by everything that you see. Don't be convinced by everything that you see. You know the old saying, what you see is what you get? That really doesn't hold true. What you see is not always what you get. Look at Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. Now all the kings west of the Jordan River heard about what happened. They were referring to Israel's victories against Jericho and Ai. Now drop down to verse 2, Joshua 2. These kings combined their armies to fight against Joshua and the Israelites. That's what I referenced earlier. A bunch of kings, and it listed them uh, in, the, in the verse 1. A bunch of kings got together, collaborated to come against Israel to try to defeat them. It says, but when the people of Gibeon heard... What Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered sandal bags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes. And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty 
with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord God, your grace will be upon us. Grace will be upon me as I teach and present your word this morning. Speak to us and through us. Give us the sermon. Lord, I know your word and what we will look at. Lord, the sermon is a spiritual gift. It's, it's just as we surrender to your Holy Spirit for everything in our lives, we can surrender to the discernment that you give so we're not deceived. Help us to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, the Gibeonites assembled a group of men and equipped them to look like an official delegation from a foreign city. Their clothing, their food, their equipment were all designed to give the impression that they had been on a long, difficult journey from a distant city. But it was all a facade. They put on this facade. They disguised themselves of who they really are, were, and who they and where they were really from. You see... Our enemy does the same thing. Look at 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. It says, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You see that? You've heard it said before. Most of the time, the devil doesn't show up on your doorstep with horns, a pointy tail, and a pitchfork. Most of the time, that's not what happens. Sometimes it's obvious, but a lot of times he works best in deception. He tries to make things look real that are not. He makes things look good that are sin which we talked about last week, and he makes things look safe that are actually dangerous. And he does this a lot of times through people. Let's read the verse before and after with the one we just read in 2 Corinthians. Look, 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. These people are false prophets. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Now, let me tell you, this may be hard and, and, and to, to understand and to wade through. He's not talking about demons right here. He's talking about people. You see that? Does your Bible say the same thing? He said, these people are false prophets. So just as these people deceive Joshua and the Israelites, the enemy can use people to try to deceive us, right? Because just like we're servants of God, he has, the, the enemy has servants as well. That people walk in this earth that, that are serving the enemy. See, the enemy will try to use people to look good and even godly to try to deceive us. Let me say that again. He'll make people look good and even godly. That's what Paul was saying. They're false apostles. They're false prophets. They, they might even pray, preach the word, talk about the word, but they actually can be very deceptive. You know, someone said this, it's much easier for us to identify the lion when he's roaring than to detect the serpent when he's slithering in our lives. Isn't that true? It's much easier to detect the roaring lion than the snake that's slithering in our lives. See, these people can be false teachers trying to lead you astray. They look and act the part, but they're off. And that's why it's great. It's great that we have so many podcasts and so many, you know, YouTube videos. But you got to be careful who you listen to online. Let me just tell you that today. You got to be careful because there are people that sound and look godly, but they're off. They are off. And we're going to get into that's why you need discernment from the Lord. And listen, and that's why we're here. If you ever listen to a message online and you're just like, man, I never heard this before, man. This, this seems a little off. Well, the Holy Spirit's already showing you and giving discernment. But if you're not sure, come talk to us. That's why we're here, right? Come talk to one of the pastors and say, hey, man, you ever heard of this guy? He had this teaching or this lady or whatever. So that's one way 
false teachers, false apostles, false prophets. They can also be people claiming to help you with the intention to rob you. And I'm talking about finances now. Is it, aren't scams at an all-time high right now? I mean, don't, do you get a, the same amount of phone calls and emails that we do? Of, of like just, you know, one of the times it was right after uh, income tax and I got a, a refund from the IRS. And I mean, two days later, I had a voicemail that says, the IRS has a lawsuit out against you. I'm thinking, really? They would just put money in my account if they were suing me? Um, you know, but it's true, right? Listen, some of you in this church got an email a couple of months ago thinking it was from me. Somebody had went on and grabbed the logo from uh, the website and my title and, 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 and put it as, uh, it wasn't even my email, but was asking you to go buy a card. Some of you know that. I got texts. I was getting blown up saying it was buying cards for cancer victims. And it was trying to, they, it looked right. It had the right logo. It had my title and all of that. The email was off. But listen, people act good like they, and that's why you got to be careful. And Pastor Tata said this many times, and, and I agree 100%. Even whenever, like, we see this hurricane coming, prayerfully nothing happens. But when there's disasters and stuff like that, they have a lot of organizations text to give. And look, I'm not saying not to help. That's okay. But I just know that when you send money to somebody you don't know, you don't know what they're going to do with that money. So we pick up a missions offering once a month because we're partnering with these ministries and we know these guys are gals personally and we know the work that they're doing, right? So I'm just saying, just be careful, right? Now look, if you give for a good cause, God will still bless you. The blessing will be on you. I mean, it, you know, but I'm just saying, I, I don't know about you, but it don't feel good to be scammed, right? Here's another one. Talk to some single people out there now. People can act godly to get in a relationship or to get married with someone. But they're really only playing the part to get what they want. We've seen it before. We've seen it time and time again where people can look and act godly, come to church and give you all the praise the Lord's and hallelujahs that you want. If you're single out there, you need discernment. And that's, again, why we're here as spiritual covering, right? Listen, Pastor Todd always said this, and it's great advice. Watch people from a distance before getting in a relationship with them. Watch them from a distance. Watch them and see how they act when they think they don't have any chance with you. That's how you find out who they really are. Because it's easy to, to, again, you know, people can pick up the Christian logo and the Christianese pretty easily, right? And they can act the part and whatnot, but watch people from a distance. Were they in church before they were interested in you? Ask that question. Look at their life. Listen. This goes across the board. Check the track record of anyone you don't know before partnering with them in a relationship, business, finances, or ministry. See, check their track record. Find out who are they, where they come from, who's their people, who's their pastor. Find these kind of things out, right? Because, you know, a lot of people, the enemy would love to deceive you and ruin your life. For you singles, again, who you marry is the second biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. The first one is when you decide to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second one is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. See, Joshua and his leaders should have found out for themselves where the Gibeonites were from instead of just going off of what they saw and what their enemies said, which leads to my second point. Number two, don't believe everything you hear. See, these are very practical points. But in their situation, if they would have did these two things already and not just believed what they saw, because it, it looked all legit. They looked worn out. They looked, and, and if you really dig into it, like, like they would have known. Because they said, we heard what happened 
to, to Jericho and Ai. But if they were from a distant land, no, there was no way that the news could have traveled that far. So if they would have stopped, which I'm going to get into in a minute, and did the most important part, they would have known there's no way. They didn't have email and Facebook back then, right? A distant land would have took them way too long. They conquered Jericho, then Ai in a short period of time, and they would have never known. But they didn't stop and think. They looked at what they saw, and it looked legit, and they made a decision. And then they said they believed everything that they heard them say. Joshua 9, 7 through 13 says, The Israelites replied to these Hivites, How do you... How do we know you don't live nearby? Now, there was a little bit of suspicion. There was like, okay, let's, let's find out a little bit more here. If you do, we cannot make a treaty with you because God had told them not to make a treaty or anybody in the land. They knew they were, he knew they were pagan people that would lead them astray and they weren't supposed to make any kind of peace treaties. They replied, we are your servants. But who are you? Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord, your God, and all he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, King Sahan of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan. So our elders and all of our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey, go and meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes, but now, as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open, and our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. First, the first lie, the Gibeonites said that they were from a very far country when they were actually only 25 miles away, which is not very far, even in their time with no cars or anything. They were only 25 miles away geographically. Then they lied about their food and their clothing and said, look, man, this was, we had fresh evangeline made bread right here, and now it's all moldy, and, you know, they lied about what their food and about their clothes. They also lied about themselves and gave the impression that they were an important convoy of an official peace mission from the elders of their city. They also called themselves your servants, when in reality, they were Israel's enemy. They said, we are your servants. I mean, they, it sounded all good. They were humbling themselves. Man, we're here to serve, but they were actually Israel's enemies. See, these other armies, remember, were collaborating to come and fight against the Israelites. And they said, man, you know what? We have no chance. That way, we're going we're gonna to deceive them, and, and we're going to win a victory in a different way. Look at John 8.44. It says, in, back to our day and age, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. You see, they believe the lies of the Gibeonites, but today, to apply to us, our lives, we need to stop believing the lies of the enemy. Because he whispers lies to us quite often. He whisper li whispers lies to you, sometimes through other people, and even through your own thoughts. I heard one man of God say, don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Just because it passes through your brain doesn't mean that it's true. You know, the enemy can plant seeds in your brain and plant thoughts there that are not from him. So we have to stop believing the lies of the enemy. And again, he'll use people to do this. He'll use all kinds of different things. Sometimes people that are closest to us, we got to stop believing lies. Again, we just preached a freedom conference this weekend, and we talked about that, of people that believe lies over the years, people spoken lies over them. Maybe a parent, maybe an authority, maybe someone, maybe things you've even spoken over yourself, but it's all driven by the enemy. Back to Joshua chapter 9. If the first four lies wasn't bad enough, the visitors of Gibeon said that they had come because they heard the might of the Lord your God. 
See, the Israelites were distracted by flattering words about God. It's like, man, okay, they, they look like they're from a foreign land. Now they're, they, they said they're from foreign land. They, wanna, they, they said they want to serve as their service. Now they're glorifying God. It goes back to this again. Man, they must be legit because they're saying, man, we heard about the power and might of the Lord your God. So now they're getting flattered because they're glorifying God. Can I tell you something, church? Satan even uses religious lies. When the enemy's trying to deceive you, again, it's much harder to detect the slithering serpent than the roaring lion. When you get a thought, man, God's not real enough tonight, you know, what? a lot of times it's easy to debunk those kind of things. But it's whenever it sounds godly. Really, when it sounds religious, but even can sound very godly. See, we look at that, we see it even when he tempted Jesus. You may not be familiar, but when, when the enemy tempted Jesus in in the wilderness, you know how he did it? With the scriptures. He used multiple scriptures that were actual scriptures, but he twisted them out of context. And that's how he tried to tempt the son of man. But he didn't know that Jesus was actually the living word. Amen. So he even tried to tempt and lie to Jesus by using the scriptures. Well, look, he said, if you throw yourself off of this, this, this cliff, man, he's going to protect you and all these things. He made it sound really, really good, really godly, really spiritual. But what was Satan doing? He was still lying. Beware of people who try to spiritualize deception. Again, you know, it was the old saying, I forgot, just because it's, it's not everything that glistens is gold. Is that how it goes? Not everything that sounds godly is, or spiritual is. And again, we need the sermon. And, and this is what we're going to get into. The Holy Spirit will help us to discern these things. Look, the, the sermon is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 10 says this. To another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterances of true spirits and false ones. The sermon is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you were born again... You here, you at home. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, he will help you with this. Just like last week, the last point was surrender to the Spirit of God to, to be victorious over sin. Like, well, man, how do I know? Pray and ask the Lord, listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. He will let you know. And if you're not sure, again, ask someone. Ask a trusted brother or sister in the Lord here at this church. Ask one of us here, one of the pastors, somebody on staff, because, again, even deception will come in the package of looking spiritual and godly. One more thing. This is very practical, but it happened again just this week. There are a lot of lies floating around the media, politics, online. L let me say this again. Just because it's on YouTube and Facebook doesn't mean that it's true, y'all. And you think like, yeah, amen, you know, yeah, we know that. But it happens all the time. I'm telling you, people come at me with some things all the time. Where'd you hear that? YouTube. It's like, all right. I'm not saying there can't be true things on YouTube. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is anybody can upload anything on the internet. Okay, so you just got to be careful. Listen, it happened this week. Just this week, I, we were actually, again, we were on one of those conference calls with the governor. I, we, we've been doing that. I think this is the fourth one. This week, I was on a conference call with the governor, and one of the pastors asked him, hey, somebody... Just send me a headline that said this, that you banned this. And the governor said, no, I never banned that. There's no proclamation about that. I was at my pastor friend's church and house, and they brought it up. And they said, yeah, man, you heard the governor banned this, huh? And I said, no, he didn't. I, I was, we were on a conference call with him. He said he, he didn't, you know, he banned live entertainment, this and that. It was dancing. He said, they said the governor banned dancing. That's what it was. 
And he's like, I never banned dancing. He said, I, I, I'm not allowing like live entertainment in large groups. But I, and so we're sitting around like, man, you heard the governor ban dancing. I said, man, I, we was on a conference call with him. Look, I, I'm not trying to defend the guy nothing, but what, you know, yeah, but it was, it was like front page of the paper. And that was their response. And I was like, yeah. And I even said, I said, hey, that's one of my points tomorrow. Don't believe everything you hear, man. Just because, and, and I get it. You know, when you got a bent towards somebody and a certain political party and stuff, you love to, to grab things that makes them look bad. But listen, church, as a church, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, we should be about truth. No matter what it is. Amen? We should seek truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, yes, he was talking about the gospel. That was a theme scripture for this weekend. That's how we started. That's how we ended it. And I get that. It was about that. But that concept still works. We should be about truth no matter what it is. Regardless if you like to dance or not, if something's not true, let's not continue to spread it. Amen? Brother Francis, our founding pastor, used to always say, right, Ms. Babs? He used to, I heard Brother Francis say this. If you're not an eyewitness, you're a false witness. Right? Didn't he used to always say that? If you're not an eyewitness, you're a false witness. Now, that's powerful. So be careful, not only to be deceived, but to repeat deception. Amen? We don't want to be carriers of deception or of lies. We need to be children of the light and children of truth. Amen? And then number three, this is the obvious, but if they would have did this, they would not have been in the bind they were in. Seek God's direction before making a decision. Seek God's direction before making especially a major decision. And this was the biggest thing. Look at Joshua 9, 14 through 21. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Because honestly, let's stop right. If they would have consulted the Lord, what they said and what they wore wouldn't even matter, right? Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Three days later... After making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their town in three days. You see, 25 miles away, they got there in three days. It was a close, a close area. Look at verse 18. But the Israelites did not attack the towns, for the Israelite leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community of the Israelite, as the the Israelite leaders directed. See, again, this was their biggest mistake. They didn't consult with the Lord. You see, they walked by sight and not by faith instead of doing what the Bible tells us to do the other side, right? Walk by faith and not by sight. See, if we're honest, we do the same thing a lot too. Everything looks good. It sounds good. And we're making decisions and sometimes major decisions and we haven't consulted the Lord. Or sometimes we have. Let me pause and say this. Sometimes we consult with the Lord and pray about it, but we don't wait long enough to listen for the answer. So that, that's actually like a, you could say a, a, a second part of this point. Or it really is the whole thing. When you, when you seek God's direction, it's not just asking, it's waiting and listening. It's waiting to get the direction. Because you know what? I heard that one man of God say this. He said, you know what? We actually, and he was talking to us as leaders, we actually shouldn't have the pressure of making the decision because actually God is the decision maker. We just need to tune in our ears to what 
decision he wants us to make. Because it's his wisdom that's going to lead us and guide us, right? So it's not like, Lord, what should I do? Lord, what do you want me to do? What's the best thing that I needed to do now? See, the leaders of Israel, they took the scientific approach instead of the spiritual approach. They depended on their own senses, examined the facts, discussed the matter, and agreed in their conclusion. It was all very logical and convincing, but it was all wrong. They had made the same mistake at Ai for the first time, and it cost them greatly. See, going back to last week, if Joshua would have went to the Lord and said, should we attack like we did Jericho, the Lord would have said no, because you got sin in the camp. Go deal with this sin first, then go up to Ai. But they didn't. They said, man, we blew out, so to speak, Jericho. Ai is the smallest city. We're going to go up not knowing that Achan had sinned. And so they failed to get God's direction, and they were defeated. Now, after the defeat and the sin, that's when Joshua prostrated himself, and the Lord let him know, you got sin in the camp. Deal with this, and then I'm going to give you the victory. That's why it's so important to seek God's will and direction for every major decision. See, you got to know this, church. The will of God comes from the heart of God. Let me say that again. The will of God comes from the heart of God. How do we know that? Because Psalm 33, 11 tells us. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts and plans of his heart through all generation. See, his plans come from his heart. And remember, he's a good, good father. His plans that he has for us are good, not evil, for a future and a hope, right? Right? So when we seek God's will, know that his will is the best for us and it comes from his heart. Now, the Lord delights in making his will known to his children when he knows they are humble and willing to obey. I didn't figure I'd get a lot of amens right there. If we're humble and willing to obey, he's, he's, he wants to let us know his will. You see... We don't seek God's will like customers who look at options, but like servants who listen for orders. You may want to write that down. I'm going to say it again. We don't seek God's will like customers who are looking for options, but like servants who listen for orders. See, if we're going to say, Lord, what's my three options here? You know, right? We went through a drive through yesterday with my girls, and it's like, what y'all want to eat? I want a number seven. I want a number eight. I want, right? You know, it's like. And, and sometimes we may go to God like that. God, what's my options in this? What, what, what can I do? What do you have for me? Instead of saying, like, can, can I do this? Or we ask him, can I do A, B, C? And the Lord said, I want you to do F. Right? I want you to do G down here. So we need to go to God's will with a different mindset and perspective and say, Lord, what is your will? Clean slate, blank sheet of paper. I have a decision to make. What is your will? Because sometimes even the two things we're looking before, it's neither one. It's neither A or B, right? See, God sees our heart and he knows whether we are really serious about obeying him. When we're making a decision, yes, look, I get it. God has given us a brain. He's given us a mind. It's phenomenal what, what, the, what the brain can do. Um, but we must apply Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to our lives. Many of you know this scripture. I'm going to read it if you don't. I love it. One of the best scriptures. And, and this will lead you right here in every decision. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. That's where the Israelites messed up, right? Their own understanding is they saw, they heard, and they understood what they were saying and they, they made a decision. But it says don't lean on your own understanding. Now, God has given us wisdom. He's given us understanding. Like, I, I get it. We, we can't just do away with that. But it says don't lean on that. The next verse says seek his will. In all you do, and he will show you which path to take. In all you do, seek God's will. Again, as a servant looking for orders, 
not a customer looking for options. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you a path to take. Yo, every promise in the Bible has a condition, but it's not he might. It's not he, he, he can. He says he will. If we seek his, his will, he'll, he'll show us. We got to be listening. We got to sometimes fast and, and purify ourselves and get in the word and get counsel. Just as people can deceive us, there's godly people that can help us as well, right? People that can help us and say, look, man, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing this. I see a red flag here. I just, I don't know what's going on. Get godly counsel. Again, that's what we're here for. Making a major decision. Listen, you can make a major decision. It could be life altering. Especially in these uncertain times, right? I mean, it, it, in the day and age we live in, every day we need God's will. We need to be careful. We need to have discernment. I just show you, the discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. The more you surrender to God and Jesus, as we just said, to, to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I surrender all. You may be in here today and you have a major decision to make. You surrender to him, the Holy Spirit will give you the sermon, and he'll lead you. Because you know what, saints, as I close, just like Joshua and the nation of Israel, we are living in enemy territory today. And we must constantly exercise discernment. The further this thing goes on, I'm talking about life, the further we get behind enemy lines. Is that not true? Do you not see craziness happening everywhere we turn? Even when we saw the two storms, Cassie was like, Jesus, are you? coming back soon like what's, what's what's going on man like 2020 has been ridiculous it's like but it's true we're behind enemy lines church this the bible says to be in the world but not of the world this is not heaven this is not we want glory to come down your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven but you know what we're behind enemy lines and you know what? The enemy is going to just continue to work overtime to deceive us, to send people to deceive us, and we must use discernment. Again, the only way you can hear the discerning voice of the Holy Spirit in God's will is if you're listening. When you believe the enemy instead of seeking the will and heart of the Lord, you can expect to get in trouble, just as the Israelites did. So to recap, don't be convinced by everything you see. Don't believe everything you hear. And seek God's direction before making a decision. One more scripture, then we're going to pray. First Timothy 2, 3 says this. We're talking about lies and truth, right? This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge and recognition of the divine truth. For there is only one God and only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The best truth that we can receive is the truth that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory and that the wages of sin is death, uh, death as I talked about last week. But the truth is that Jesus came and died in our place to forgive us of our sins so we can walk with him, live with him, and spend eternity with him. Amen. Can you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes? Even you at home, if you're at home, just, just maybe close your eyes and so you don't get distracted maybe from anything at home that you may be doing or this is where it starts. And until you receive and apply the divine truth that Timothy was talking about or Paul was talking to Timothy about, about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's even harder and harder to discern deception when you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you to discern it. So today, if you say, Brandon, man, I don't know if I've ever accepted that truth. You know, you may have been living under the lie that you can just come to church and be a good person and go to heaven. That's deception. The Bible says we must be born again. 
We showed last week some things. If we live a lifestyle, we'll never inherit the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you can come to church, but if you're not born again, if you're not saved, the Bible says, if you're not forgiven of your sins and trust Jesus, you won't make it. But I want to give you the opportunity today to say, Brandon, I believe this is true. Maybe you've been living under that lie, and today you want to make a decision. If you say, man, Brandon, this, if I die today, if this is my last day on the earth, I don't know where I would spend eternity. The Bible says we'll spend it somewhere, either with God or separated from him. If you're not right with God or you want to be right and you say, I need to accept the truth and get saved, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, man, I want to get right with God. I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you for being bold. Even at home, raise your hand. If you're tuning in online, I see your hand back here, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Over here. I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand. A little one, a, a child. Come on, just being moved right now. Anybody else? Before we pray. This is the best truth that you'll ever receive and apply. Those of you that raise your hand, just, just if you believe in your heart, the Bible says, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to pray this all together as a family. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned, but I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn away from my sin. And I turn to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. I receive the truth of the good news. Give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you and to walk in discernment all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these today. Amen. Congratulations, y'all. Hey, if you raised your hand for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Fill out that card. It just takes a few minutes. Bring it to the info center. We have a Bible for you. If you need one, we want to pray for you. At home, you can, you can click on the connection card link. For the rest of us, why don't we stand up and why don't we close in prayer? If you would say, today, if you're in here and you say, Brandon, I have a major decision I need to make. Let me see your hand. Lift your hand up and say, let me see. If you say, I got a major decision, look at that. There's hands going up in almost every section. Major decision people are having to make right now. Come on, let's pray. I want you to pray. Let's pray for these. Let's apply these things. Come on, ask the Lord right now for discernment. Father, you see all the hands going up right now. People that have major decisions they need to make. Lord, would you give them discernment, Lord? I pray, open up their eyes, Lord God, to see. If there's, th there's things that they're seeing that are not true, reveal the truth to them. If there's things that they're hearing, Lord God, being spoken to them that's not true, reveal the truth to them. Give them discernment, Lord. I pray today as they lift their hands, they're seeking your direction and your will because we know your will comes from your heart. I pray that you would make your will about these major decisions clear to my brothers and sisters both here and at home my God that are tuned in I know that you will you said that if we would not seek uh, uh, lean on our own understanding but trust you and seek your will you will direct their path that's a promise and I pray that over my brothers and sisters today I pray you bless them and keep them as they go today in Jesus name we pray amen and amen God bless y'all y'all be safe we love y'all and hopefully see you soon